Hello and welcome. This is Background Screening Tips and Tech with me, Tim Santoni, and my co-host, Joe Berlin. Uh, we're coming to you this week before Christmas. Thank you for tuning in. Again, if you want to pick us up, you can pick us up wherever you listen to your podcast, whether that's Apple Podcast, Stitcher, or um, whatever outlet of your choice. Um, Joe was, was, was passed along an article to me this week that was really hit home, and it, it's published by SHRM, the Society of Human Resource Management. And the, the, the article is entitled, Do Organizations Rely on Background Checks Too Much? And um, this article really, really lays out um, what's going on and in kind of the lack of, I guess the, the underlying issue here is the lack of consistency ac- across all different layers, whether it's private employers, government entities, state agencies, when it comes to background screening and illustrate some examples of how people can slip through the cracks. Um, and Joe, so based on this article, kind of what are your initial thoughts on what uh, what's going on when it comes to background checks and why are employers or organizations relying too much on them um, in mitigating risk in their business? Yeah, I, th- I think the article stuck out to me um, for the sheer fact of, uh, for a couple reasons. One, if, uh, if I was just a human resource professional kind of reading this, some of the, some of the stories and the points that they pointed out were, were kind of on the extreme end of things. Um, but their overall reaching point, I think, is a fair one. Um, you know, t- Tim and I have talked many times about, you know, background screening being one aspect of protecting your organization. And so ultimately to the, to the point of the, the article's title and the question in it, um, yeah, I think there are times where companies rely too much on a background check, right? And so when something happens, a lot of times the first question is, well, did you run a background check? Um, okay, you ran a background check. That's great. And I think that's something that you can get into at some point uh, in that discussion. But I was told a long time ago, and it's always resonated with me, that a background screen is a look into the past. It's not a prediction of the future, right? And so even a 100% squeaky clean background check does not indicate whether or not somebody is going to do something out of the ordinary, right? I mean, that's just humanity in general. Um, so I think that that a background check is absolutely essential. But yeah, I do think that there are times when employers rely on it by itself, too much. And I think that is the key phrase, right? It's not that they're relying on the background check. It's they're relying on the background check itself too much. That's a great point. Yeah. And a couple of the things that they talk about and why background checks can be you know, problematic, I think. One was the guile, right? People that are intentionally or maliciously misleading background researchers about who they are, their identity, where they've been, to infiltrate things, whether that's a government agency or a quasi-government agency to do bad things, to share information they shouldn't have access to, right? That's a small percentage of people that maybe have access to that and do it for malicious reasons. The other areas of the scope of the check, right? There's no uniform um, background check being conducted that is all in all comprehensive, right? You're trying to cast a wide enough net to uncover information that could be relevant in your hiring decision, but it's not going to be all encompassing, right? So that's another area that I think there's a lot of misinformation about. Not all background checks are created equal. If you're going to be a government contractor and do, you know, you know, uh, work for the government, there may be interviews. If you're doing a, a background check for someone who's going to be an administrator at a, at a, you know, a law office, it's not going to be quite as involved. They're not going to be doing interviews for a variety of reasons, time and cost and resources and so forth. Um, and I think that one thing that comes to mind is, is that Based on the type of organization or business you have, we've used this analogy before. It's kind of like an onion layers and having layers of protection, right? You want to put up different obstacles. They're going to try to do their best to to 
intercept those things. So having a good recruiting process, having a good screening process, having a good onboarding process, having a rescreening or rechecking or compliance process and running people through those rigors on a regular basis. So you're uncovering information that, that you might miss otherwise. And in those stages, looking for things like, oh my gosh, the name and social and date of birth provided to the background screener is different than the one provided to the benefits person at the time of enrollment. Why they do that? right? That's just a really a, a data issue that can be detected. Oh, we screened the wrong person. Why did they provide bad information, right? Or, oh my gosh, they're a driver. We, we didn't run a driving record, but now we should. Or we need to ongoing, on an ongoing basis, monitor drivers. Things like that, that would be really important to build those layers of protection around your organization um, so that you can intercept and deal with those things as they come up and that you're not blindsided. Anything else come to mind? Yeah, Joe? you know, when you brought up the the guile, right? Like we actually had uh, one of our coworkers get a question from from somebody this week, and it was in regards to fingerprinting versus you know your your kind of more standardized background check of running county searches, and you know, well, what if the person you know you know is you know, they stole somebody's identity. They stole their social. How do you verify? How do you verify? And it was a really tough question to ask, you know, as long as I've been in this industry, because, because it's a good question. Um, but I, I kind of fall back on the whole, you know, just because it's possible doesn't mean it's probable. Right. Right. So it's possible that they could be stealing the identity and trying to get the job and so on and so forth. But you also have other layers uh, that have been put in place, right? The I-9 verification. You're going to have to go through that. They're going to have to provide a passport and a driver's license or a driver's license and a social card. And, you know, there's multiple layers to kind of help protect you. Don't rely just on the background check. Uh, the other aspect of what you brought up, right, is those things that you can do with the, with the applicant experience and, and so on and so forth in your recruiting efforts. But also the company culture that you build within your company can lead to better hires. And, and the reason for that is, is because you're going to get more referrals from internal employees if it's a good company culture. And those are going to be, you know, a lot of times, you know, internal referrals are going to be better candidates. And it, most people aren't going to refer somebody that they don't like or don't trust or don't know um, to, to possibly spoil their name, especially if the company culture is something that they actually like. Yeah. That's a great point. And, and as I look through this article and look at all the different areas where background screening um, can be an issue, because I think the point you're referring to is the fact that somebody can't fake their fingerprint, right? They can't fake that. However, that's not to say that all crimes are fingerprintable crimes. So you're going to be missing out on those things, right? So there's, there's, there's pros and cons to all these different things, right? But I think at the end of the day, what it comes down to, and I think what, where we're heading to is the issues and issues impacting identity verification. Identity verification is is at the root of all these issues. If we can properly identify the people, we can screen them and we can run effective searches. The challenge is that it's very difficult to do that in today's more privatized situation. For instance, more and more court records are being stripped of identifiers. So that makes it more difficult to identify the records pertain to a subject. Also, it's more and more difficult to identify me from Joe based on the information provided in a background check and that it's accurate. There's no way to do that. The social security system was never meant for identification. And that's kind of where we've gone. And we see identity theft and credit information that's terribly misrepresents who we are, where we've been and what we're up to. Yet we rely on that when it comes to uh, consistently verifying, you know, these types of these types of information. So I think that driving records are a great way to identify who that who people are, but not everyone has a driver's license. And it's not always required in the in the scope scope of doing a background check. So I think at the core of it is identification of who these people are is crucial. And at the end of this article, all these different elements really come down to failure to identify who the person was, 
based on the information provided and or the inability to identify the records that would have been found if, if those records that the government provides to us have been a little bit more open. So identity verification, number one, but number two, obviously I'm more of an advocate of providing records, criminal records to both law enforcement, government agencies, background screening providers, and investigators that helps to, to provide a more robust picture in a more cost-effective and uh, you know, timely manner. Uh, I think it's absolutely insane that you have to pay $98 to the city of New or the state of New York to pull criminal records out of that state. That is absolutely crazy. And I also think it's crazy that, you know, that we, that as an investigator on the investigative side, doing discrete investigations, that um, the hoops that must be jumped through. How do you explain to a client? Well, background check is normally X number of dollars, but if they were here and they were there, there's all these different add-on fees. Oh, and by the way, this is a manual search courthouse. So, you know, that's not going to be available for two weeks. Well, we have a trial, we have a deposition, we have, you know, law enforcement needs to serve a warrant. What do they do? They're going to wait two weeks. You know, all these things hamper both the private, the law enforcement and, and, and government sectors. So as, I'll get off my soapbox. No, it, no, I, I think you, I think you nailed it. Right. As long as I've been in background screening, the cost of doing background checks in, in New York city, you know, there's 16 boroughs that are, that make up the, the New York uh, court administration's uh, 16 counties. It's doubled. It's doubled. I think when I first started in the industry, it was like $50 which was even outrageous then now it's, you know, now it's a hundred bucks and, and it's, you know, how do you, how do you pay those fees? But no, I, th- I think you nailed it. it. They brought up one other um, kind of common area, right. That, that kind of gets overlooked, but that's, you know, the background screening companies mistakes. All right. So here, I'm going to let a cat out of the bag, right? Here's the, here's, here, I'm going to let this out of the bag. And a lot of people may be shocked by this. If you have $2,500, you can start your own background screening company in your basement. You can hook up with a software company. They can feed you data in from any of the major data providers. Um, moral of the story, look at who you're doing business with. Are they an accredited background screening company, right? Are they part of NAP, well, PBSA now, used to be NAPBS, but um, you know, who, who is providing them the data? What kind of compliance measures do they have in place? Um, it's really easy to come up with a really kind of snappy name and to, and to build a background screening company with not a lot of capital and to kind of do it in your own basement. Um, so just make sure who you're partnering with. Um, cause even the biggest names, they're going to make mistakes. They'll admit it to you. There'll be a mistake somewhere. It's a matter of how they deal with it, how they communicate it to you, how they take care of it with the applicant and, and take care of the situation. Um, so yeah, it happens. I don't think any background screener would deny that. Um, it's just going to be a matter of how they, they take care of it in the end. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's a good point, Joe. And I think that that it's important to vet out who you're doing the doing the background checks with. I know that people think that it's better to go on the sly and sometimes use an investigation company to get more and deeper results uh, because it's not back in the day law enforcement could pull records. That's not possible anymore. Uh, ask them how they're getting the records. What's their process for adjudication? What what do they go through to actually vet out the records that are found? That's way, way more important than their turnaround time and the price point, <laughs> right? We get those questions all the time. Well, what's your turnaround time? What's it going to cost? Not like, well, 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 who are your data providers? What are your backup sources? How do you review and audit and adjudicate files? You know, in what counties and regions, you know, are there challenges and the records more difficult to get their hands on and so forth. So that's another super important point. And I, and I think that, I think in these times, it's especially important to point out, the article mentions the USIS issue with Snowden and how these background uh, checks done by government agencies to give people clearance caused issues, right? And I think that one of the things that we talk about is 
especially in light of the cyber hacks and government issues and, and all these different things that are going on. We need more and more trusted resources with government level clearances. That's hard to do when the government's putting restrictions on the records that we need to actually conduct those searches, whether it's the private, private investigator, like our firm or a background screening company, like our background screening division, or if it's, if it's a, a researcher that's working for an, a state or a government agency, right? It's really, really important to know that we'd love to ramp up and have more people doing these high level tasks, but it takes a ton of time and a ton of resources to vet them and get them clearance. And a lot of times it's clear that they cut corners to speed things up, to cut, to save costs, to get people in place, to do things that really the intent was good. Right. And there's always these bad actors and malicious, nefarious characters that are going to capitalize on that and get in. And again, like Joe mentioned, sometimes they're going to be clear coming in and they could still have life events and have issues that cause them to do bad things. It's not clear that just because there's some, nothing in their background, they will never do anything in the future. But I think that the point being is, is there's always ways to beat the system. And we have to be aware of those ways in which those systems can be taken advantage of and having kind of a checks and balances in place. So if your background screening provider, you know, is, you don't think it's doing a good job. Hey, do like a second source check, just double check, see if the records come back the same, open your eyes. It doesn't cost a lot of time or money to do that, right? Look at those different options. And I think that's where, whether it's, you talk about financial crimes, intellectual property crimes, any kind of issues that come up, it's usually because of lack of oversight, poor systems and processes and no audit. So if you have one background screen provider doing all your work, they held the keys to the kingdom. And maybe they're not going to be honest, like Joe said, and come out when they make a mistake and try and deal with it. But when you unearth that, you'll figure out where those gaps are, where the issues are, and you'll realize, oh my gosh, we forgot to do healthcare sanction searches on these people, or we forgot to do driving records on those people. Or I didn't know, I thought that those health and safety and risk was doing this when, when, when they're not, and, and now that there's a gap there. So again, just a couple of ideas to throw out there at, at a grand view. Again, the, organi- the article is, do organizations rely on background checks too much? It was published this month in Sherm, we will share the link below. Um, before we go, any final comments, Joe? No, I mean, I, I think you you nailed it. Um, you know, just just do your due diligence. I think you and I talked about maybe having an episode in which we talk about RFP. And I think that when you're looking at background screening provider and doing an RFP, there's questions you can ask to kind of get to the bottom of those things. Uh, and to your point, if you've, you know, I know COVID's got a lot of people busy, but if you're in HR and you've got some downtime, um, if you're one of those organizations that's not in a hiring frenzy right now, you will be in a few months. Um, take this downtime to talk with others, with some other providers, right? They're not, you know, you don't have to make a change, but to Tim's point, there are many providers out there that would be more than happy to run some searches for you where you already know the outcome and see how good of a job they do. See if their turnaround time is better see if it's longer, but it's more comprehensive. Like every organization is different and every needs and wants is different. Um, so take this time and, and look into some of that, ask those questions and talk with some different providers. And that's a great point, Joe. And I think no matter whether you're an HR director for a, a nonprofit, a for-profit business, a manufacturing, a school, or if you work with a government agency and you're in charge, there's risk associated with doing any of this stuff, right? And I think it's just important to understand the risks that you're taking and that you're exposed to. And some of these things that can come up that, that are alluded to in this article are reputation changing, they're stock price changing, they're, they change the face of the organization forever. So it can never hurt to do your diligence, to go a little bit deeper, look at more of a comprehensive approach and to double check and triple check that your systems and processes are meeting the needs of, of the organization. And if, if you're inclined to mitigate risk and try and mitigate exposure to risk as it relates to litigation, workers' comp, 
embezzlement, all those different types of things that impact a business and the bottom line, you know, do your diligence. Um, thanks again for tuning into the show. If you missed our prior episode, we brought on Nick Fishman, SJV Data Solutions. Great episode. Talks about the insights into the background screening industry. He's a titan in the industry. Um, stay tuned. We have some future episodes coming up. We're going to be profiling more software and technology providers. And uh, we will look forward to connecting with you after the holiday. Thanks so much for tuning in and have a safe and happy holiday season. Joe, uh, enjoy your holiday out, out there in Ohio. And we will be back on the air very soon. I will. Thanks, everybody. Happy holidays. Happy holidays.